All right. Well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech Edition, the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Jackson Moody. And boy, do we have some good news. We have some great news, honestly. Not only are we talking about a Texas Tech basketball win in the year of 2023, they beat LSU 76-68, to but that's not the story. The story is we won a second game. We won our first conference game of the year. Yes, we're 1-8, but this was the biggest comeback in program history. They were down 23 points with 12 and a half minutes left in the game and came back to tie it, and send it to overtime and win 80-77 to over the number 13 in the nation, Iowa State Cyclones. I, honestly, yesterday I was pretty much speechless. Um, this was my first game back in the USA since I graduated in 2020. Um, at first it seemed like it was an awful game, and then throughout the game it seemed like it was an awful game. Then in the last 12 and a half minutes, something <clears throat> truly incredible happened. Uh, we'll break that one down. That's the true story here. Also, we have the football schedule released. We'll also talk about is there a path for Texas Tech to make it to the NCAA tournament? All that's coming up. All right, so I'm not I'm not going to bury the lead here. The lead is obviously Texas Tech being Iowa State, but you got to go in order of the games that happen. So I'm going to talk about this LSU win first. Um, going to go through this as quick as possible to get to the real story. Texas Tech got a 41-33 lead at halftime. I really liked how both Kerwin Walton and Elijah Fisher played, and those are two guys who could very well be back for Texas Tech. I'm hoping the increased minutes for Elijah Fisher keep him here. Uh, just going through the stat sheet, Daniel Bacho, something's not right with him. This guy, he, he's just not healthy. He got sick. He's still struggling. He lost 15 pounds. He's not healthy. He had eight points. He was two of eight from the field. Uh, four or four from the stripe there in 32 minutes. Kevin O'Banner had a pretty good game, a really good game. 36 minutes, eight of 15 from the field. Uh, 22 points total. Jalen Tyson, one of four from the field. He had a bad game, but don't worry. I'm going to give him his flowers in, on this Iowa State win here coming up soon. Um, four points. He was two, two of four from the stripe. Uh, he did get seven boards, including two offensive rebounds. Kerwin Walton, he was sensational. Six of seven from the field, five of six from three, 17 total points. Devion Harmon had a pretty good game, was pretty efficient in his 34 minutes. Five of 10 from the field, two of two from three, two of two from the stripe, 14 points, uh, eight assists, and just two turnovers. You'll take that out of him. Uh, Robert Jennings didn't do a ton, got six minutes, 0 of 1. KJ Allen, exact same stat line, except he got a free throw. Um, Lamar Washington, seven minutes, but 0 for 1. Zero points. Uh, don't worry. He'll get his flowers in the, on the next game, too. Um, Demarion Williams played okay. 13 minutes. One of two from the field. One of one from three. Two of two from the free throw stripe for five points. And Elijah Fisher, I really like the way this guy plays defense. 22 minutes. Two of five from the field. Um, he got five points. I, I thought he was really good in his limited minutes against Iowa State, too. Anyways, my thoughts on this LSU game. This was the closest game LSU had played since January 6th, if we're being honest. This was the first time they lost by single digits since January 6th. This is not a good basketball team. However, when you are 0-8 in conference play, when you've lost your last eight and you can pull out a road win over a Power 5 team, you know what? Especially one that came back and uh, it looked like you were going to blow the game. I, I have no problem with the way this team celebrated. They needed something good. I'm happy for the players that they got to celebrate this win. And then I was suddenly mad at the players on Monday night 
when we were playing Iowa State and we were just getting ran by them. We were down 39-22 at halftime. We were down, I believe, 56-33 with about 12 and a half minutes to go. And then everything changed. And so Texas Tech was actually the favorite in this game, if you can believe that. Iowa State is top 15 in the nation. Texas Tech was the favorite over them by two and a half points. Uh, They're number one in the Big 12 coming in. So the reason that Tech was the favorite, if you're wondering coming into this game, uh, there was murmurs that Pop Isaacs would play and Caleb Grill wouldn't. And Caleb Grill played, and boy, did he torch us. And we shut him down late in the game and, and in overtime, but he took 12 shots, all 12 of them from three he played 37 minutes and we didn't even know if this guy was going to play counting overtime he was only on the bench for eight minutes that's a quarter in high school basketball and he's went eight of 12 from three for 24 points I mean like the guy had the best shooting night of his career when we didn't even think that he was going to play the guy that some people thought would play, Pop Isaacs, didn't play. And somehow, someway, we still covered against them. And yeah, Iowa State looked like they were point shaving towards the end of the game. But a lot of that was just energetic uh, defense from the Texas Tech. So just going through the stat line real quick. Um, Daniel Bacho, and we'll get back to him. He was 0 for 1, only played 11 minutes, committed a turnover, had an assist, three boards, no points. Kevin... O'Banner, 42 minutes, 5 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 11 of 15 from the free throw stripe, including two free throws at the end of overtime to put us up by 3, and 13 boards, including 5 offensive rebounds, 24 points overall. Jalen Tyson, and I'm going to get to him in a minute, but 36 minutes, 4 of 9 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 2 of 3 from the free throw stripe, 11 points. Kerwin Walton, 22 minutes, wasn't great. He was 2 of 7 from the field, only 1 of 5 from 3 for 5 points. But I'll tell you what, the one 3 he hit was kind of a clutch 3. And I believe we were down 21 at the time, and it cut it to 18. So it's weird to say a 3 when you're down 21's clutch, but it did feel like that started to swing the momentum a bit, that, okay, there's something left in this team. I thought Jalen Tyson really swung the momentum for us. And Devion Harmon, uh, when you look at his stat sheet, it's not great. Uh, 36 minutes, 5 of 17. That's obviously not a good percentage. Oh, from 4, from 3. 6 of 8 from the free throw stripe. Um, 4 boards, 5 assists, um, only 1 turnover, and 16 points. So the nice thing about Devion Harmon this game, this guy was clutch. He channeled his inner, I, I heard it compared to inner Keenan Evans, and yeah, a Walmart version of Keenan Evans uh, towards the end, but he came through clutch. He hit those two free throws to send us into overtime with about 21 seconds left. Um, Robert Jennings, 12 minutes, two of four from the field, two of three from the free throw stripe, six points. KJ Allen, and KJ Allen had moments where he legitimately looked elite, but it wasn't even like moments. It was like half a moment where it's like he made plays and it's like, where in the world did this come from, KJ? But he uh, was one of one from the field, one of one from three, uh, three points. And he did have a really nice play to get an open shot that we just didn't hit. But it, it was a really nice play. Elijah Fisher, he only got 14 minutes. I thought he was pretty good in his 14 minutes. He went 0 of 2 from the field. But 
the thing I liked about him is he knew when to drive. He knew when to drive, and he was pretty patient down low. Got the defender up in the air, did a little pump fake, got them up in the air, then went up three or four from the stripe. And that's kind of what Devion Harmon did by just attacking the basket. And I thought Elijah Fisher played pretty well defensively. He only had three points, but I thought he was really smart when he was on the court and attacking. I, I really hope we keep Elijah Fisher. I really hope we keep Elijah Fisher. And I'm hoping the increased minutes do it because this guy has crazy potential. He really does. And don't forget, he sh- he could have been a high school senior this year. He decided to leave a year early. This guy's still developing. Yeah, you know, I had somebody comment, oh, what, you, you miss his five points? What are we going to miss, his five points if we- he leaves? Um, no, he's going to get a lot more than five points uh, when he's getting 30 minutes a game as a junior. Uh, Lamar Washington, 26 minutes, 3 of 5 from the field, uh, 8 points. I thought that he was really good, especially down the stretch. It was nice to see him get minutes. He was insanely productive in those 26 minutes. Demarion Williams, he made one mistake, but it was after a good play. I thought it was going to cost us a game. Anyways, 18 minutes, 2 of 3 from the field, um, 4 points. The play I'm talking about, it was like a minute left, about that, maybe a little bit more. But he got a steal at half court, which... Thanks to Jalen Tyson's pressing again. I, I'm i going to go on about Jalen Tyson in a minute here. But he got a steal and gave the ball right back to Iowa State. I believe it was Kalsher that took it away. But it was really nice stuff for him for the most part. And that play didn't end up costing us the game. But I just want to talk about the turnaround because, you know, we were down 23 points. And there was a point where we got on a little 5-0 run once we cut it to 20. And Jalen Tyson was just as energetic as can be. After and and this was a little bit later on, but even after he got a foul called on him, he was ready to go after the officials and it was a bad call. There there were bad calls against Iowa State too. But I mean, Jalen Tyson I think has taken over a leadership role on this team. Uh one thing I noticed pregame is he was in the middle of the huddle. He was the guy leading the huddle pregame. Um and then Towards the end, it, it was all his energy. He was pressing nonstop, going after it. Um, and by the way, this is like the one guy who cannot transfer. He can't transfer. He's already used it. He's going to be back next year. And I got to say, you love to see that out of him. But this turnaround was frankly insane. Um, we did it in part because O'Banner was hitting shots. And now O'Banner made two mistakes today. There's going to be two plays that O'Banner will look at on film and probably want back. And there's going to be a lot of plays he's really proud of. Way more than two. Uh, One of the plays was when, uh, I believe it was in the first half. Yeah, because it was going towards me. He tipped it out. Everybody was down low and it went straight to Caleb Grill and Caleb Grill hit an open three. And then the second was he missed a bunny layup. However, other than those two, the guy was sensational all night. He got over 2,000 career points tonight. A huge achievement for him. I think there's only three active players in college basketball that can say that. Um, So great job on him. Um, And that comeback, I mean, they just made Iowa State's life hell. And it wasn't that the offense was sensational, which the offense was good. They were still doing that three-man weave, but what they were doing a bit differently was they were getting it to Harmon up top so he could attack it. Uh, attack the basket at full speed, and he threw a lot of fouls going that way. He earned he earned them. He threw four fouls doing that in the second half in overtime, or three fouls in the second half doing that uh, because one of them was to stop the clock. But the way he attacked the rim was impressive. He got a lot of buckets doing that. He was not great early on. One thing I'll say about Davion Harmon, 
He is really good at dribbling the ball for about 25 seconds and missing a three. And then he's also really great in crunch time when you need somebody to take over. He has that in his blood. Um, This is another guy that can come back. He can also transfer out for free as a grad transfer. Um, I'll talk about the roster and who we're going to keep. But, man, just the energy on the defensive end and what they were doing was also getting into passing lanes. They were harassing Iowa State. Uh, We went with a much smaller lineup, which I think we're going to see against Baylor. It's a noon tip-off. I I was looking at the schedule wrong earlier. I thought, dang, the 11 a.m. tip-off on a Saturday, that's tough. But realized that even though I'm in Texas right now, my computer's still on mountain time. Um, But I I think that we're going to see a very similar small lineup. We took Bacho out. He didn't come in, I think, the last 19 minutes and three seconds of the second half or, and then all of overtime. Uh, they said there was nagging injury. I don't know if that's the case. It may have also just been a lineup change. Iowa State plays very guard heavy, and we wanted to attack the guards, attack the perimeter, cut off passing lanes, and took a bit to come together. But, man, and at the end of the day, we're still 1-8. and eight. It would still be a shocker if we made it to the NCAA tournament. I mean, you got to go 8-10 and 10 in conference with our non-con. Maybe 7-11 and 11 gets you in if you can make it to the final of the Big 12 tournament. But you probably got to go 8-10. and 10. You can only lose two more. It's still a stretch. I'll point out, you know, why it's still possible. But either way, this was a sensational win. You're not going over in the Big 12. The players are believing. They've won two straight. And they get to carry that to Waco, which is not a hostile environment. Last week, Arkansas fans were able to take that over. So, you know what? We'll see. I think that the young players played well. I thought Jennings played pretty well. I thought Washington was great. I mean, he was all over the place on the defensive end. Um, and towards the end, we just went with a Washington, Tyson, O'Banner, Harmon, and then either Williams or Walton lineup and it worked really well for us and it was a small lineup but it did have some length that could defend get into passing lanes um so i'm just going to talk about the schedule if you want to know is there still a path for texas tech to make it to the ncaa tournament there is it's slim you got to win seven of your last nine maybe six of your last nine uh could get you in there if you if you win some games in the Big 12 tournament, but we're not just talking about making a semifinal. We're probably talking about making a final. And then at that point, I mean, we saw how that worked for AM last year when they went four games, four weeks without winning a game, made the final of their conference tournament. They still didn't get in. So, you know, if, if you make the final, we're not going to be thinking, oh, I hope we're in either way. We're going to th- be thinking, okay, we need to win this to get in. Um, but... If you want to look at the schedule, we have Baylor next on the road. That's a tough one. And that's not one of the ones that I think we need to win. I think the two that I have penciled in that we're probably going to lose are at Baylor and at Kansas. Uh, So after Baylor on Wednesday, we play Oklahoma State and Stillwater. I think that is a winnable game. And I mean, every one of these games is also a losable game. You are one and eight. You are in the toughest conference in the country. Any road game's losable. Kansas or Baylor or any of those teams can go to Stillwater and lose but that is one game that you're going to look at say we can win that next is going to be Kansas State that's a home game uh that's a winnable game you're going to have a sold out crowd I know they're top 10 they just kind of got ran by Kansas I think you're a bit more talented of a team than them and I'll admit I don't think you're as well coached as they are right now 
But that is going to be a winnable game, especially at home. Then Monday, February 13th against Texas. Yeah, that that's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. You saw it in Austin. That's a winnable game. And you saw Kansas State in Manhattan. It was a winnable game. They outplayed you the second half towards the end. But for 30 minutes, you're right there with them, if not better than them. Uh, you play at West Virginia. You'll feel like you have a chance there. Uh, you play at OU. You feel like you have a chance, especially if you have Pop Isaacs back. I think that you feel like you let that game against OU slip. Uh, home against TCU, you feel like you let the game in Fort Worth slip. I mean, none of these games in this stretch between Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Texas, West Virginia, OU, TCU should make you feel like, oh, we can't win it. They're all winnable games. The thing is, you got to win pretty much all of them. Or at least go five and one. Um, if you still win against Baylor, you can go four and two, and then you're going into Lawrence, thinking if you win in Lawrence the next week. Which, look, my God, if you if you can find a way to beat Baylor, then go four and two, or you win five of your next seven, and you go to Lawrence. I mean, we're all going to tune in. That's a Tuesday night game at 8 p.m. Central. Everybody's going to be tuned in for that one because if you win that, you have Oklahoma State at home, and that would push you to eight wins. I, I think it's a tough path. I, I still do feel like it's a lost season. I do. Um, you are one and eight in conference. And now this was a great result. Uh, when players, if you're Tex Tech, you have the talent they do, the NIL resources they do. If you're 0 and 8, you deserve the criticism. You do. And that comes with the territory of playing Big 12 basketball, and especially in the day and age of NIL. But also, you pull off the biggest program win ever. Um, you deserve to celebrate, and I'm glad that they got to celebrate that, and I hope that it carries them forward because, you know, I'm not saying the TCU one carried them forward, but I think that when they got back in the game, I think they had a bit more belief in their ability to close it out since they just closed it out against LSU. But, you know, end of the day, it was an insane win against Iowa State, um, and you're right back in. You know, you're not back in the hunt, but you have some belief now. And even if you're against me, you say, this isn't a lost season. We can all agree what we were doing wasn't working. It just wasn't. And if you want to get hot, if you want to have a chance to make the tournament by winning the Big 12 title or going on a tear and winning eight of your last 10 conference games, you got to change things up. I thought we changed it up a lot. We've seen Elijah Fisher get more minutes. Kerwin Walton got more minutes and has been shooting well. Um, Lamar Washington got a lot of minutes tonight or last night. Uh, Robert Jennings got some good minutes. I, I think things are changing. Jalen Tyson's taking a leadership role. So, you know, even if they finish 5-13, and 13, it's not an absolute killer uh, to this team. But anyways, moving on, I, I want to talk about the roster as a whole, who can come back next year and who can transfer out. Um, so I'm just going to go through position or player by player, Kevin O'Banner, super senior. He's gone. Lamar Washington. He's a freshman. He can stay. I really want him to stay. He can also transfer pop Isaacs. Exact same freshman can stay. Hope he stays. He can transfer Demarion Williams. He's a junior. Um, he, he, him and Kerwin Walton. I'm going to do at the same time. They're kind of the same situation. They could, uh, stay. They could also transfer out and sit out a year, or they could possibly graduate either a year early or in summer and transfer. Uh, Robert Jennings, freshman, can transfer anytime. KJ Allen, uh, he's a junior, but he went to a, a junior college, so he can transfer. He hasn't used that waiver yet. 
Fardaz, he's a grad. Um, he has another year of eligibility. He may have two if he gets a medical redshirt. He could be 26 and be playing in college basketball in 2025. Uh, but he can transfer. Daniel Bacho, I believe since he redshirted his freshman year, he still has that transfer. Uh, CJ Williams, I don't believe he's on scholarship. Jalen Tyson cannot transfer. He's a sophomore. He's already used that. He'd have to sit out a year. Elijah Fisher, freshman, can transfer. Devion Harmon, he's kind of in the grad area. He has used a couple transfers, but now he's a grad student. He can transfer if he wants. And I already went through Kerwin Walton. So just giving you some insight. That's who can transfer, who can stay. But, you know, I think if we can keep Bacho, and Bacho may be a backup center. I'm not giving up on him. I'm not saying he can't be a starting center because I don't think he's healthy either right now. Uh, but the guys I really want to keep, Jalen Tyson, Pop Isaacs, Lamar Washington, and Elijah Fisher for that upside potential. And I'd also love to keep Robert Jennings for next year. And then everybody else, you know, those are your top five that I really want us to keep. Bacho's also in there. Um, other than that, we're just going to have to wait and see. It's going to be a busy offseason come March. Mark Adams, you know what? He got outcoached a lot in the second half so far this year. He pulled every right lever in the second half last night against Iowa State. I mean, there's no debating that. He went with a small lineup. He made the right changes for this team last night. You know what? He's got his butt kicked eight times in a row in conference, but last night he was perfect. He he, he was perfect. And I know there's been talk about locker room issues, and I definitely believe there has been locker room issues. I wouldn't have said that that was a concern if I didn't believe it. It seems like those are turning around. Um, and look, I said that I think that Mark Adams should be on the hot seat. I still think he should. You're one and eight in conference play, and there were issues. But look, if he can keep the locker room together when it was at risk of falling apart, if he can turn this around, even go five and thirteen this year, then yeah, he's going to be back next year. And I, I think that's as simple as that. All right, now we finally have a Big 12 football schedule. And so these are the games that we already knew we were getting at Wyoming. Uh, I live like two hours from Laramie, so can't wait for that one. Home against Oregon, um, home against Tarleton. And this is what came out. So we have four home conference games, which I expected after having five home ones last year. But home against West Virginia, I think that's, um, yeah, a good good chance to start 1-0. I think at Houston, Oh, I'm sorry. At West Virginia. My bad. At West Virginia. Still think that's a good chance to start 1-0. I don't think we'll be overly worried about that. Um, At Houston. Or, sorry. Home against Houston. My bad. The red and black's confusing me with these. But home against Houston, which... Yeah, I feel good about that. I think you're a better team. You get them at home. At Baylor. I think that's going to be a tough one. I mean, they matched up really well against us last year. That was their best game of the season. But I think there's definitely, I think you're going to have the better quarterback, uh, whether it's Shuck or Morton at that point in the season. I think overall you have a better team than Baylor coming in to this year. Then you get Kansas State at home. I, I really like that we get them at home because I do feel like Kansas State and Texas are kind of the predicted to go first and second. Um, I'm not saying that Texas is a better team than us, but I think those are the two that you got to be looking at to punch up against. I think getting Kansas State at home is really good. They've had our number recently. Um, as long as it's not 11 a.m. game, which they're really good at, I feel pretty decent about that. I, it should be a 50-50 game. 
at BYU. That's going to be a fun road trip for all of us. That's going to be a, uh, if you can make that game, that's going to be a fun game to see. That's a beautiful stadium. I'm glad that we get to go to BYU, even if uh, they're probably, um, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, just taking an educated guess, they're probably not selling beer in that stadium. And then you get TCU at home on a Thursday, which part of me doesn't like because of how far our alumni base is. But, I mean, my freshman year, we played Kansas at home on a Thursday, and it was a fun game to go to. I do think that will be a full crowd. You know, Lubbock and the immediate surrounding areas are at least 300,000 people. You got to fill, fill up 65,000 in the stadium, plus you got some traveling crowd. I, I think that, you know, I, I do think that will be a great show, and that will be a good chance because you're going to be on ESPN. The only game you're up against is a crappy Thursday night football game that nobody can see. That unless you have Amazon Prime, you're probably not watching, and it's so crappy you may not even go through the lanes to watch if you do at Prime. Um, and then at Kansas, not not worried there. Um, home against UCF, which look, I I don't think UCF. I think UCF is going to be a really good school in the Big Twelve, um, but I think they're still ways away. And then at Texas on Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, and I gotta say, if we are playing Texas. To go to the Big 12 title. If we're tied for second and third with them. And playing to go to the Big 12 title. And that could be their last game in the Big 12 ever. And you got a chance to knock them out. To make your first Big 12 championship game ever. In their home stadium in Austin. I mean you got to be excited about that. And I think this is the first year in a long time. That we realistically believe that we can contend for a Big 12 title. I, I think that you know. No Dust Bowl, no game against Oklahoma State. That sucks. It does. Um, playing TCU on a Thursday kind of stinks. You only got four home games. Neither OU, OSU, or Texas are coming to your house. So that kind of stinks. And then TCU's on a Thursday. But you still have that home game against Oregon, which is probably going to be a night game because of Pacific, uh, the Pacific time zone with Oregon. So I think it's going to be an interesting slate i think it's definitely a schedule that i would have liked to dodge kansas state i wouldn't have minded if we didn't have to play texas um but you are dodging ou um and there's no game looking at that schedule that i look at and say yeah i'd be surprised if we won that game and you know you should expect to make a bowl game i mean that's the bare minimum now for this program and i think that this year you're going into it thinking that you can win the big 12 title and that's going to do it for this one. Uh, I hope I get to come to you next week after we kill Baylor and Waco and we really get back on the bandwagon of this season maybe turning around.